This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around. Snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back, listeners. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest for today. Her name is Kristen Duke. Kristen studied child development in college and is raising four of her own kids through their adolescence. She shares so much wisdom on her Instagram, and that is where I came across her work. So much of what she offers to parents aligns so well with what we all are working on doing here in the Joyful Courage community. I knew I had to have her on to talk more. So hi, Kristen. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here. Yeah. You are a mentor to so many parents of teens. What got you into doing the work that you do? Well, I do love teenagers and I noticed that a lot of parents and teachers don't necessarily seem to love teenagers. I mean, I can't figure out why, (laughs) but I mean, it is a challenging time in life and I basically just decided I need to give more support to parents. I want to help teach them how to be better cheerleaders. And it originally started with that, but then I was digging deeper as my kids were teens themselves. And I didn't have such a smooth relationship with my mom as a teenager. And so I was trying to figure out how to combat that, help parents learn all the things myself, share all the things that I was learning. And it just became this, you know, just this love and this passion of mine as I was learning and growing and fumbling myself to just share it all at the same time. I think it's such a gift and I'm the same way. So basically, I'm calling myself a gift. You're welcome. (laughs) I think it's so powerful when people are willing to share about what's hard and where their growth edges are and what they're moving through. And I just think it's normalizing that it's such a messy season of parenting, right? It's just messy, regardless of doing the right thing or whatever. It's messy. Yeah, it's messy. It's tricky. And honestly... I was nervous to step into it because I'd been blogging for a while. My background is photography and I'd shared photo tips and lifestyle and recipes and all this 
kind of stuff. And when I started transitioning into something more specific into the teens, it was because I noticed there was a need for it. But my oldest was 15, 16 himself. And I was a little nervous that I was like throwing out all this advice. And what if my child ends up on the streets? And then, you know, part of it, I was worried because I didn't want my teens to see me as a hypocrite. So I was like, I got to step up my game. Right. And at the same time, I was like, I can't promise that what I'm sharing is going to make your teenager turn into this, you know, model of society. But then I kind of, as I kept sharing and just pushed through some of those doubts that I had and concerns, I honed into what is my real passion right now, which is to have that relationship. And I kind of came to this realization, it doesn't matter if my kid's laying on the street because what I'm working on is myself mm-hmm. and my relationship with him, with them. And I can stand by that yeah. no matter what my child, if they're doing drugs, you know, if there's an unsuspecting, I don't know, robbery or anything crazy like that, it doesn't matter because what I'm working on is my relationship with him. And so once I was able to step through that, I realized, okay, you know, working on ourselves. But I think a lot of parents come to my space saying like, how do I talk to my teens about dating? How do I talk to my teens about vaping? Yeah. And I share that kind of information, but at the base of it is when you're trusted, when you have this connected relationship with your teenager, they're more likely to listen to you and trust that what you're saying is truth. And they're going to stay away from the scary things because they trust you. They trust what you have to say. And it's just kind of amazing how that all works together. But Nobody wants to hear, you got to work on yourself yeah. if you want to have a relationship with your teenager. You know, right. they want to be like, why is my teen so crazy? Right. How do I fix my teen? How do I yeah. change How my do teen? I fix them yeah. when it's like, the magic is when you fix yourself, it kind of happens. Yeah, I know. It's not a hundred percent, you know, at the time there's still challenges. Like you said, there's mess. There's a lot of mess, but I think a lot of parents are so triggered by the mess that it really fractures the relationship. And so yeah. a lot of it is teaching yourself to not be so triggered by the mess. Right. Like here's a fire. Let me add some kindling to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. I love yeah. that. You know, the people that are listening are like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense why Casey would want to talk to Kristen because <laughs> that's what I'm centering is relationship and building trust. And we're increasing the likelihood right. that they're going to make healthy logical choices, right? right? But that's the key words. Like we're increasing the likelihood, but at the end of the day, they walk out the door and they make their choices. And when you have that loving, connected, trusting relationship and they make the choice that you're not so thrilled about and they get into some trouble, they know that they can come back and say, oh God, I really screwed up. And that is huge. That's when they need us the most. It really is. You know, it's all about that safety of, Imagine they do make not the great decision and they say, I know that my mom is safe. I know that I can go talk to her and she's going to help me figure out how to get out of this mess or figure out how to walk through this mess or hold my hand through this mess, you know? Yeah. So it really does all come back to that. And so many people have a hard time wrapping their brains around that concept. Yeah. And I think just because I've dug into it so much and I've done so much of my own research, it makes so much sense to me. And I saw a post the other day about punishments and it's such a hot topic with parenting because they feel like, let's just say trying drugs. Your teen tries drugs. Of course you have to punish them because that's what society says is that you're supposed to do that. And, you know, this post that I read, she's like, I haven't punished any of my kids. And, you know, she listed all of these, you know, positive effects that came from that. And so, like I said, I haven't had kids that have gotten into drugs. So it's something that I've studied up and learned on how to work with it, but it's not something that I've had personal experience with. But I think they're less likely, like you said, increase the likelihood to do those things because Mm -hmm. they don't feel any reason to need it. But there's always the outliers and there's always things that'll happen. There's also the teen brain. (laughs) But like you said, they'll come because they know that I'm not going to freak out. Yeah. I'm going to be a little bummed about it. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world. And I used to think some things were the end of the world. I used to think, oh, if my kids get into porn or if my kids do drugs or if my kids, you know, have a relationship that goes further than I think it should. I used to think that was the end of the world. And a lot of my perspective shifted towards, no, we all make mistakes. If they make a mistake like that, it's going to be a bummer, but I'm going to help them walk through it and see the other side because otherwise they're shamed and they're going to keep repeating those things because they're feeling shame and disappointment from the person that's supposed to just love them unconditionally. Right. And they're going to go underground, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we've had all the things show up 
at our house. And every single time it's a opportunity. Like I really hold it as like, okay, let's talk about this, you know? Yeah. And let's talk about this meaning like, I'm really curious. I want to know because behavior is purposeful. Behavior is also a solution to a problem we don't know about. And so I'm really curious about what is that problem? What is the driver that's moving you in this direction? Like that's where we get to look for solutions, right? Yes. I was thinking of an analogy. One of my favorites is the iceberg. Oh yeah. I talk a lot about the iceberg. I've been talking a lot about the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg is what they're doing. Right. Since I'm talking about drugs, we'll talk about what's underneath the iceberg. Why are they feeling that they want to do that? Are they just wanting some freedom because they don't feel like they have freedom? Is it a peer pressure thing? Is it a loneliness thing? Is it, you know, depression? You know, there's so many different reasons. And when you do that, get curious, not furious, get curious and ask the questions, find out what's underneath. Like you're just seeing the tip. Yeah. What's underneath the surface. Yeah. And I don't think that they are consciously like, I'm feeling a certain way. So I'm going to try weed, right? Like what I love about that process is we're also supporting them in connecting their own dots of like, oh yeah. Because of our curiosity. And I was just on a call with a client. The context of our conversation was about just kind of cleaning up the mistaken messages that were being sent Mm. by the dad to the child about school in particular. I said, you know, one way that we do that is you can kind of make fun of yourself just around like, you know, how when we talk about school and I get kind of intense and I ask all these questions, but ultimately, you know where I'm heading and you know what I know you know, what I want you to think about. And he was like, yeah, I did one of those conversations this morning, but basically I was just kind of justifying why I'm so wise and why I give my opinion. And I teased him. I was like, that wasn't cleaning up. He's like, no, I know. I see that. And again, like there is some lightness, like what you said about not being the end of the world, they're going to make mistakes. Right. And Listeners, I know you hear me say this all the time. They're going to make mistakes. Granted, for sure, there are things that teenagers can get into that are... Life-altering. Life-altering. Right. The vast majority of the mistakes your kids are going to make are not going to be life-altering in the way that you're holding that. And when you can let go of that and be with them and be curious and to trust, and I think what you're talking about really is Trusting the process, trusting their learning process, their narrative, their unfolding of life experiences, when you can trust and inside of their relationship with you, when you can trust that on the other side, they're going to be fine, Yeah, you know, more than fine because they will have learned from the mistakes that they made. I think that's so powerful. So clearly everyone we're talking about trust. And I think, Kristen, you'll have to let me know what you hear when parents talk about trust it kind of falls into this idea of, well, I want to trust that my kids are going to not make any mistakes, right? right? Yeah. And it's such a setup. Yeah. It's such a setup because they're wired to push limits, to try things out, whatever thing, you know, to take some risks. So when I talk about trust, it's really about one, I want to trust that my kids can learn from their mistakes. And two, I want them to trust me, right. that they can come to me and not feel worse about whatever it is that's going on with them, right? Right. Yeah. When you talk about trust, what does it sound like? Yeah. So most of the trust that I discuss is about becoming trusted by your teenager. That's kind of mm-hmm. my little side tagline. And I've been thinking about it lately. I think some people, when they hear that line get it. And I feel like, oh, because I've had people say, what do you mean? If I don't have, you know, enough background to it, you know, become trusted by your teenager, you know, broken down. That is when you're trusted, that means you're a safe place for them to come. That means they're going to want to listen to you and not roll their eyes or be annoyed by your advice and suggestions. When you're trusted, they're going to want to talk to you when they're sad. And even when they're happy, I didn't want to tell my mom when I had good news either, or definitely not sad news, but definitely not like excitable news. I just wanted to be like even keeled. So if you have a teenager, that's like fine. Cause so many Mm -hmm. people say they just go to their room. They just give me one word answers. 
And part of it is teens don't feel safe with themselves. They're uncomfortable with themselves. Their brains and bodies are under construction. They've got emotions that they don't know how to deal with. They've got so many things going on inside of their mind and body that you can't see. So that's one level of it. They may like their parents fine, but they're already uncomfortable with themselves. And if there's anything that you're doing, such as, you know, yelling, I'll give as an example, because a lot of parents, we get overwhelmed. We get stressed. We have a lot on our plates. It's easy to get overwhelmed and it's easy to lose your crap and to yell Mm -hmm. and to make that correlation to realize that's breaking trust. You know, the things Mm -hmm. that you do, I talk about blind spots. I have this private community and it's all about outlining blind spots. It is kind of funny because my delivery is like, Hey, if you want to learn all the things that you're doing wrong as a parent, join my community. (laughs) And you know, like I got to sell it a little bit differently, (laughs) but it really is. If you want to become trusted by your teenager, if you want them to talk to you, if you want them to listen to you, you have to be trusted. How are you not trusted? Well, there's these little things, this, 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 and this, that you're doing that break trust and you don't realize it. They're blind spots. It's just like when you're driving, you don't realize you're doing X, Y, and Z. You don't realize that giving advice over and over is actually making your teenager feel incapable. And when they feel incapable, they're not feeling with all the warm fuzzies because you're the person that they feel incapable in front of. So why would they want to come to you? Why would they want to hear what you have to say? So it all just blends in and ties to each other. But like I said, I need to find a better way to make it more concise. So if you have any suggestions. Marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Hey, everybody. Listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done And the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas. And then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics, put it to the music that I picked. And the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. 
Well, I always laugh because I do a six-week positive discipline class for parents of teens. And by week two or three, they're like, oh, this is about me. I'm like, yeah, I don't don't put that so much in the marketing because like you said, it's like they don't realize that's their pain point. Yes. Right? Right. And I wonder too, like as I listen to you talk and I have some questions about blind spots for you, but before we go there, it's interesting too, because by the time our kids become teenagers, they've had a lifetime of experiencing us in the good, in the bad, in the hard, in yes. all of the different ways. They and know. so they, they know, know. They can trust you or not by the time they're a teen. <laughs> yeah. And they yes. know what feels good to share and what feels or even not even what feels bad, but where there's uncertainty. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you're going to respond, but I'm going to keep myself safe from your judgment. Right. I'm not coming to you with this. Yeah. Right. And there's that built up armor over time. And so that work of dismantling what has been developed in the dynamic is a big piece of this puzzle too. So talking about blind spots, I love this. I'm so excited. What are the indicators that we've got blind spots? You know, I guess I say everybody has blind spots. I mean, I've been working on a lot of these things and I still have my own personal blind spots. One of Mm -hmm. mine is, well, two that I've worked on a lot and I have seen growth, but it's still a challenge for me is offering advice because hello, I've got so much life wisdom. Why wouldn't you want to listen to me? I mean, you have an Instagram following. (laughs) Come on. Yes. Have you seen my numbers, kids? Every 40-year-old mom has more wisdom than their 15-year-old teenager. It's just a fact of life. Totally. All of us do. So one of the blind spots is when you kind of know and realize that when you're continuously like, oh, you should do this. Did you email your teacher? Did you check your backpack? Did you put your homework in your backpack? Did you call your friend or text your friend back? That seems rude when you don't text your friend. All of those things are like, yes, it's true. All of this advice giving and wisdom. And at the same time, I mentioned a second ago, they feel less capable. They're annoyed. They were planning to do it. They just hadn't gotten around to doing it yet. And so what I say is, you know, about advice, you don't have to stop because you do have wisdom to share, but think about your delivery. Think about how you're doing it. You know, one thing, as I say, don't should on your teenager. Mm -hmm. Don't use the word should. If you can eliminate the word should as one small actionable thing that you can just do today, a lot of parents use that word. And I think that's like, they don't like it. I don't want to hear you should do this mm-hmm. because I can handle it by myself. And another blind spot that I have is that I get my feelings hurt mm-hmm. if they don't take my advice or if they're, you know, upset. I feel like it's all about me. And I feel like I've had to remind myself their mess isn't because I didn't teach them well, or, you know, a lot of parents kind of bring it all back to themselves. And then it projects back to their teenager. Like my feelings got hurt because you didn't you know, do this and this and this, and they don't need to carry your emotions. You know, they don't need to have that placed on them. So like I said, those are two things that have been super hard for me to break. And I recognize now when I do it, I'm still actively working on it. But I mean, everybody does have blind spots. And so part of it is you don't know what you don't know. And even like controlling, I don't think any parent will like to admit, oh yeah, I'm controlling. And most people don't think that they are. So when I outline in the controlling, you know, module, it's like, this is what controlling looks like. You're probably unintentionally doing this. Yeah. So I'm going to open up your eyes, take off the blindfold. So now, you know, because you can't do better until you know better. Right. And so now that you know, you can start to take action and it feels like an uphill battle. You know, I talk a lot about be patient with yourself. It takes practice, just like playing the piano, just because you learn the notes doesn't mean you can play this masterpiece. You have to give yourself grace and patience. And I talk a lot about apologizing and repair. Yeah, yeah. If you're new to this journey, bring your teenager into it. Say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm working on my reactions. I'm working on blind spots. I recognize I have them. Will you patiently work on this journey with me? And when they know and see And they might remind you, which is painful, like, oh, I thought you were going to stop yelling or I thought you were going to stop giving advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate you reminding me because I am working on it, you know? And so they might not say in the nicest way, but uh, feedback is a gift. When you hear that feedback, instead of internalizing it and going all in the corner and crying about your progress, just say, you know what? I am grateful that he pointed that out to me. And like I said, when you bring your teenager into it, I think the progress goes a little bit quicker, even though 
it has to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, because they're like, I know you. Yeah, I've seen you do this. You're telling me you're going to stop overreacting? We'll see. Yeah. Right? Right? We'll see. And then that's an invitation to like commit. Right. Trust the process. Trust the work. Yes. What are some other typical blind spots? By the way, I was like, oh, advice giving? Yes. Uh, and taking things personally, yes. My daughter right? and I finally worked out a system where most of the time now, I'll say, because she just kind of will, usually it's via text, but it'll be like one sentence that's like totally activating for me. And I'll have to pause and say, okay, do you want me to just be with this? Do you want my advice? Right. What do you need here? And she's like, ugh, I just needed to get it out. Okay, great. And then I get to manage yes. myself. And I love that. And I feel like that is a conversation that I've heard a lot. I just was hearing Mel Robbins on a podcast with her young adult and teenage son. And her daughter's like, yeah, that actually kind of annoys me when you say, yeah. do you want me to just listen or do you want me to validate you? So I thought that was interesting because I feel like, oh, we've learned to say, do you want me to listen or do you want me to offer advice? And her daughter's like, yeah, that annoys me. Yeah, okay. That's fine. You know, we got to be crafty again. But one of my favorite things to say about advice giving is... You know, let's say your teenager, they feel safe enough to come vent to you. Great. You're in a good spot if they're venting to you, right? Yeah. Another blind spot is toxic positivity, where it's like finding the silver lining. Oh, I'm so good at that. Oh my gosh. My friends totally bailed on me at lunch and I sat by myself and they're probably talking about me behind my back and this and that. And of course, mom wants to come in and fix things. Like they probably weren't talking about you or no, you know what? Maybe you just need to reach out to them and it's probably going to be okay. Like it's the fixer, right? We want to come in. We want to fix. We want them to feel better. Perfect. Yes. Want to make them all feel better. No, we have to rewire ourselves to say, dang, that stinks. Yeah. I would be sad if that happened too. That whole validating. Yeah. I love it. That does sound terrible. I got a message from a mom the other day that she's like, my daughter did this. And I told her I knew that she was the problem with her friends and it was probably her fault. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, sweet mom. We know what our kids' tendencies are and we know their imperfections. And her mom knew that she probably maybe was, but maybe that wasn't the best thing to say. Maybe instead just say, that stinks. Like I said, toxic positivity is another one. We want to find help. We want to see the bright side of things. I think parents think, oh, if I let him just come home and be mad or angry or sad, that they're going to grow into a mad, angry, sad individual. And I want them to, you know, see the positive in life and look at the bright side of things. And I think that's what we thought is that they're going to be sad all the time, but no, they actually, it's important for them to feel that sad and to be validated that sad and mad is normal when your friends turn their back on you. Right. Yeah. And if we have any history of experiencing that, that's all of a sudden, all of that old hurt comes back up again, comes up. And that's part of our, you know, under the iceberg of our behavior, right? right. Is our, our past journey. hurts. Yeah. Well, yeah. and what I forgot to say is so going back to the advice thing, when, you know, they come and they vent about their friends and you say, oh, that stinks and validate the next day, like ask if they want your advice. So that's mm-hmm. another thing I've been practicing and saying, like, hey, do you want to hear? some of my suggestions or thoughts about how you can proceed forward. And I kid you not, since I've been practicing this in the last year or two, my teen girls, my boys are already moved out of the house. They'll look at me and they'll hesitate. And I can tell they don't necessarily want to hear, but since I asked, they're like, sure. So I know that that's my window and I got to be brief. (laughs) I got to get to my point quickly. And I'll say, you know, I just had a thought about And maybe you already thought this because I don't Mm -hmm. want them to think that they didn't already think it or whatever. I just had a thought, you know, what if you write a letter to your friend? Mm -hmm. And so there's the chance to give advice when you ask permission, they're a higher likelihood to say yes. And if they say, no, I don't really want your advice to zip it, say, okay, let me know if you change your mind. Mm -hmm. And either route, I say either route you win. It's so winning because if you say, okay, and that you show them that you think that they're capable and show them that you recognize they can handle it. They may come back in an hour or a day or a week, or they may not. But for future reference, they're going to remember that. They're going to hold it in their heart and they're going to say, wow, mom actually let me handle this. And I appreciate that. And that's major trust building. So that's kind of my new favorite thing to talk about is ask if they want advice. You can't go wrong either way. Yeah. Even though it's painful to not give your advice if they say no. (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's so interesting too, like 
being curious about the dynamic because I've also been in situations where I've asked, do you want to hear what I think? And it's like, sure. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I honestly, it's okay. Like I sometimes reiterate, like, it's okay for you to say no. Right. Right. Because there is that especially I have one child that's a little more people pleasy than the other one. Sure. One of them's yes. like, no, I don't want your advice. And yes. she's fine with that. My son yeah. is a little bit more like, oh God, I want to do the right thing. So yeah. So right. I have to, again, give him true permission to say no. And when he does, I get to be like, okay, again, it is a win. It is an opportunity yeah. for one, for him to flex into what's true for him. Yeah. Right. And kind of work on dismantling the people pleasing. And also for me, like you said, to show like, I think you're good. I have thoughts, of course, because I right. <laughs> right, right. I really appreciate that. You know, what are like two or three other typical blind spots that listeners can kind of do their own reflecting on? Another one that I was thinking is catastrophizing. Oh, dead in a ditch. And I think that's kind of like going to the worst case scenario, which yeah. we talked a little bit about a minute ago, because there are some things that are life altering, mm-hmm. but I think it just doesn't do any good for anyone, but yeah. it's really hard because it is part of a mental health challenge also. And some things aren't just, oh yeah, I know about it. I'm going to change it. Some things really take extra work and yeah. potentially with a therapist, you know? Yay. Therapy. Yes. Rewire some of that catastrophizing because a lot of people either grew up and made not so great choices. So they assume that their kids are going to do the same and they're parenting out of fear or, you know, so much is wrapped around cell phones. There's a lot of fear-based parenting around cell phones and social media. I agree and recognize that. And at the same time, I am team, teach your teen how to use it. Walk alongside them with it. When you withhold it and say, no, it's not good for you. And you can learn about it when you're 18 and you're good. My personal philosophy is young adults are struggling too. Yeah. So if they're going into the adult world and then they're learning to navigate social media without you being right there next to them, that's a lot. So while you can decide on a time frame or whatever, that's fine. So catastrophizing worst case scenario. Another one is lying because most parents are pretty angry when their teen lies. <laughs> Oh my gosh, they sure are. It's like, do you remember being a teenager? Hello? Let's part normalize the fact that teens are going to lie or preteens or like, I mean, I remember one of my kids would lie about eating granola bars because I was like, okay, kids, this little section of our pantry is for when we make lunches for school. We don't eat pre-packaged snacks when we're home because... It's just a pain for mom to have to keep up with that, you know? Yeah. So I would find granola bar wrappers and I was like, who did this? This is me freaking out. Who's the wrappers? You know, you're not supposed to eat wrappers. You've been told you're not supposed to eat wrappers. Of course, all of my kids line up. Not me. They all denied it. Somebody was lying, but I didn't know who it was, you know? Eventually I kind of figured out and I realized it. And anyway, so I have a whole module on lying as something that teens do, but it's a blind spot how parents react to it. Yeah. So part of it is, and I don't want to just say like, oh, just let your teens lie, but it's like how you respond to it and how, you know, I learned I needed to take a chill pill about the rappers. And I learned, okay, this actually isn't as big a deal as I'm making it out to be. And at the same time, it's just kind of talking through when you don't freak out about it and don't try and catch your kids and all all this stuff. Then you can say, hey, I know it was you and I get it. Granola bars are good. They're fun to eat. They're easy. They're convenient. You know, let's see if we can find some sort of compromise. Or I want you to learn to be honest and not for my sake, but for your sake, because, you know, you start going down little white lies, then you're going to prison. <laughs> yes. <here's all laughs> oh, no. Job. Sorry. That's that so, blind spot. It's, like the, it's kind of the calm <laughs> talking through, like, yeah. like letting it slip. Like, you don't have to have a punishment because they lied. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can be curious because there's a purpose behind behavior. Yeah. And sometimes it's to keep us safe. Sometimes it's to keep them safe. Sometimes it's, you know, there's all sorts. So being curious, right? Like that's when I listened to even that. It's like, I wanted to jump in there and be like, ooh, maybe we can make some homemade granola bars to have on hand, right? Like there's solutions that solve the problem. And inside of that solution finding is the messaging around, you know, it's really important to tell the truth. And I know you love granola bars, right? Or man, I totally get why you 
wanted to sneak out last night, right? Right. I'm hearing you say that you felt like the curfew was too strict and like I would say no. And so let's talk about what it can look like and what we can create together so that I feel safe and you feel like you have an appropriate amount of freedom, right? Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. It's such a rich, juicy opportunity that gets sideswiped when we just freak out. And I was raised in a household where the message was, well, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be in trouble, but you lied about it. So now you're grounded for three months. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I could have come clean about this and there's no way I wouldn't have been in trouble. Like I call bullshit on that. Right. But I never actually tested it because I didn't believe it. So I always would lie and I would typically get found out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it is tricky because, you know, we know curfews are for a reason. We know that a lot of crazy things happen after a certain time. We think need to go to bed. We just got to end sometime. So there's some things that are harder to explain and kids won't like it. But I think, you know, compromises, I want you home at midnight every night. Let's compromise. How about, you know, every once in a while you're out till one or, you know, whatever. Or let's find out what's going on. Like make your argument, you know? I mean, that's what I kind of talk about with my kids. Right. Present a case to me. Yeah. Yeah. Present it. Oh my gosh. When they were little, they really wanted hamsters and I am not a rodent person at all. And I was like, well, I'm a hard no, but if you want to put together a presentation and see if you can convince me, you can. Yeah. Yeah. They worked so hard, so much to the point where they were like, what are we doing? You know, it was weeks and they had like poster boards and things. And then they just kind of gave up, (laughs) (laughs) which was fine because it was going to take some pretty significant, I don't know. There was pretty much nothing they could say, but anyway, I thought that was funny. funny, but it's kind of carried on. And now, especially with my senior, you know, I'm kind of in the mindset of I'm parenting a year ahead. I really want him to feel so much freedom so that he can flex into that personal responsibility that he's going to need to access next year when he's out of the house. Right. For sure. And there's definitely times where I'm like, "Mm, no, can't do that. Right. And he'll say, mom, you said you were parenting a year ahead. (laughs) 
right? Like, right? trust me, yeah. I can be out till 10 tonight on a Thursday night and still make it to school on time at 8.30 tomorrow morning and I can get right. enough sleep and I get to say like, okay, let's see, right? right? Yeah. No, <laughs> because I missing agree. school tomorrow morning isn't as big of a deal as, you know, like me as a college student, I had zero discipline because I didn't really have a lot of practice because everything was so contained yeah. Yeah, yeah, and controlled. I got to college and it was like, woo hoo. It was yeah, a party. Yeah, yeah. It was super extra freedom and a lot of really unhealthy risk-taking that I managed to live through, but you know, weren't necessarily yeah. growth opportunities. Yeah. I love anyway. that. Well, and I was thinking about the phone also because a lot of parents are like, you know, the phone. I hate the phone. In, Kristen, essential place it. at night and all that stuff. And it's like, how old is your teenager? You know, if they're like 13, 14, so much different of an answer for me than if they're 16, 17. For sure. Know, for whatever. sure. And what does their balance look like? Right? Like what does balance look like right now? Yeah. It's so different for everyone. And so, yeah, I've said, you're like, oh, they really want to have their phone in their room, but I know it affects their sleep. And I'm like, in the next year, they're probably not going to live at your house Yeah, and they're going to have to figure out on their own. So why not let them step into it when you have the opportunity to help guide them through it. Yeah. And I think that's the key right there. What you just said is help guide them through it. Yeah. Having conversations. It's not just like, okay, well, you're 16. So do whatever you want with your phone. Right. The phone keeps coming up. It's been coming up in podcasts and just in general for me. And man, I'm not here to demonize it, but I will say that we our generation of parents, we didn't know what we were doing. And if you're listening and you have yet to dive into the realm of smartphone, just wait, just wait, just wait at least until they're in high school. Middle schoolers do not need to be on smartphones. They do not need social media. They don't need it. Even if you're sitting right next to them, teaching them about it, they do not need it. And all the research is showing that I mean, mental health crisis, COVID wasn't helpful either, but it all correlates with the accessibility of the smartphone. And that is tragic and something we can do something about. So all of you listening who have younger kids know that those of us that are ahead of you all wish we would have waited a little bit longer. I know I do. I mean, I'll There are a myself. lot of nicer options too. There weren't yeah. options to do that. flip phone. Like you need yeah, to the, keep track of The flip phone is what I heard people talking about, but now there are, I've worked with the Gab phone and there's a pinwheel and- Yeah, there's, there's a Bark a phone others. too. They make it more easy to have a basic thing and then to transition. Yeah. When, yes, when yes, yes, ready. yes. Yeah. Anyway, sidebar. I feel like every podcast lately has a little phone sidebar. So it's a hot topic. Uh, it's sure. so annoying. Okay. Thank you. You know, as you work with the people in your membership and the people that slide into your DMs, speaking of social media, and they're working on these blind spots, what are some practices, like some simple practices? Because I'm sure that there's listeners that are realizing like, oh yeah, I definitely am relating to some of these things. So what are some ways that you help parents as a mentor in the practice, right, of recognizing, because they're so like, it's like a deep groove, some of these yeah. tendencies that we have yeah. that are getting in the way of a space that feels like our kids can trust. Yeah. What are some practices that you encourage parents to move towards as they try to not, navigate. <laughs> yeah. Navigate these blind spots. Yes. First is within yourself. I'm a big fan of journaling in some way or another. Me too. Whether it's a note on your phone and take a little by little, like what are you working on right now? Write a little note in your phone and write your progress and write your mess ups. And, you know, having that visual, I've always been a journal writer my whole life. And I have really found it helps with my recall a lot. It helps me remember what I'm doing. It's like, you know, New Year's goals, if you don't write it down, then it's not going to happen. And so just kind of write your progress as number one. And I'm really a big fan of having an accountability partner, whether it's your spouse or your mom or your best friend, or even your teenager. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're on a journey of self-improvement, keeping it to yourself and journaling to me is like the baseline, if nothing else, but having someone to bounce ideas off of, or like, oh, okay, I just learned about this blind spot of toxic positivity. I need to flesh it out. You know, I need to yeah. talk about it. Like, what are your thoughts about it? Or where have you seen it? Or do you see me doing it? Someone who's maybe sees how you do things and being open to, you know, if it's your spouse, like, yeah, you kind of have a tendency to find the silver lining. I do? Like, give me an example. You know, maybe they don't have one or whatever, but 
and just talking it through, like, this is what I learned. Every person knows that when you teach it to someone else that it internalizes more, right? So you learn about it, reteach it to your accountability partner so that in the process of telling them and teaching them, it's, you know, sticking in your mind that much more. So accountability partner, like I said, you can have a teenager be one. I have someone in my membership who she said her son's her accountability partner. But even if your child isn't your accountability partner, I encourage you to at least occasionally bring them into your journey. Because I I think as challenging and painful as it may be for some people, I think it really has an opportunity to really strengthen your relationship as you kind of move forward and do start to improve. Because if they don't know that you're on that journey, they're likely not going to see it as well. Yeah. And I love getting feedback from them. Like, hey, I am kind of realizing this thing about myself. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you notice it. Uh, Yeah, I notice it. Okay. How does it make you feel? I think it's actually really motivating for me as a mom to hear my kids say, yeah, that makes me feel really dismissed. Yeah. Or yeah, that you're sending this message of, you know, whatever. And parents, when we bring them into this conversation, we also get to practice not being defensive, not justifying, right? Like my client was talking about this morning, but really thank you, you know, thank you for sharing your experience with me because they are great perceivers, not great interpreters. So we might think that we're all in the clear when the reality is our kids experience us as us thinking they're not good enough. They don't even often have the words to say, I feel incapable Yeah, or I feel like you're treating me like I'm an idiot. But it's like, it's those internalized things that, and of course, nobody wants them to feel that way. And of course, if a parent realizes, not all do, but majority, like when they realize, oh, I can adjust the way that I do this. And not only do you strengthen the relationship with them, but you're teaching them about humility. You're teaching them about repair. They're going to move forward, having better relationships with the people in their life because you've taught them humility and repair and apologizing and doing better and self-improvement and such great skills to learn at the same time and share, model, teach all at the same time too. And I think a lot of it is, and I've talked a lot about the blind spots. One of the people in my membership says, even the very beginning basics, she's like, I know I'm supposed to do these things, but I'm having such a hard time changing my nature, rewiring myself because I've been so reactive. So I've been digging a lot more and I've shared this month on Instagram is just that emotional regulation the foundation is to learn to regulate your emotions so that you can start working on your blind spots little by little. And we're all pretty dysregulated. Yeah. It's a lifetime journey. It really is. So another aspect that I like to tell people is have grace on yourself. Be patient with yourself. Don't beat yourself up because I think a lot of times when people hear, I didn't realize I was doing this. Now I feel terrible. Now I'm a terrible mom. Right. You know, no, you've got some feedback, move forward and work on it and give yourself grace. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, we're on automatic pilot 90%, if not more of the time. And I think this work that we're inviting parents into is an interruption of that. Right. And so it really is work. It's work. It's Uh, worth it. So worth it. (laughs) So worth it. Of course. It's so worth it. I mean, I want to be in relationship with my kids now, but I really want to be in relationship with my kids later. Like, I want them to want to come home. I want them to want me to have a relationship with my future grandkids, right? I want them to answer when I call. A little sidebar is I have a close friend of mine that has recently, she's my age and has gone no contact with her parents because her parents didn't learn to emotionally self-regulate. Her parents blamed her as a child, blaming her as an adult, and she's got kids and she doesn't want to deceive into her kids. And so- there's so much interrelated, like you said. Yes, we're working on it as a teenager, but it gets harder when your kids are adults. It gets harder to not tell them advice when they're adults and to not tell them they should be doing things differently. So this is just the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So start practicing, people. Start practicing. That's the message. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything that you bring into the world. Thank you, Kristen. It was enjoyable to chat with you. I geek out on yes. This. I had all sorts of hand movements that people aren't going to see on the, <laughs> the podcast. And I was got really excited a couple of times because I love talking about this. Yes, me too. Me too. And you know, the name of my show is Joyful Courage. So I'm wondering, what does Joyful Courage mean to you? 
Mm, I love that. You probably didn't know this, but my middle name's Joy. So I love everything that has to do with Joy. Well, I did do a deep dive on you and I saw somewhere that that. your middle name is Joy. Okay. (laughs) Joyful courage. No, I love that you asked that. And I think, you know, what I was just saying a second ago about how a lot of moms feel discouraged because they realize that they're doing things wrong. And I think having that courage to step into that discomfort, to step into this repair of yourself, of your emotional regulation, and to instead of seeing that as like drudging through like, oh, I'm so terrible. This is what I have to do. Instead, think about what comes on the other side of that is this joyful relationship that you Mm -hmm. have this opportunity to have. And I'm not going to say it's fail proof because I think sometimes people can do a long time down the road work and it's not received as well. But when you do work to improve yourself, I think you can have that joyful relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what I'm promising Mm and encouraging people to do is to have courage that on the other side of this self-help that you're doing is joy. And that's what Mm -hmm. we all want is feeling joy in life and feeling joy in our relationships with our kids and other people around us. And it takes work and it takes self-reflection and it's hard to do and it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Where can people find you and follow your work? I'm mainly on Instagram at Kristen Duke Chats. KristenDuke.com is my website. I've got a little freebie where I've shared 10 intentional ways to connect, which you can get at KristenDuke.com or from the link in my bio, Kristen Chats. Yes. Perfect. I'll make sure listeners that the links are in the show notes. Kristen, thank you so much awesome. for hanging thank out you. with me today. Yes, of course. Thanks for asking. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.